The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines, the commercial airline the U.S. military trusts to perform maintenance on its aircraft. Learn more at deltatakingaction.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, November 7th. In today's news, Democrats flip at least seven governorships. More than 100 women get elected to the House, and five states are now poised to expand Medicaid. But first, the big idea. The 2018 midterm elections were a referendum on Donald Trump. Two-thirds of voters said that the president was a key factor in how they voted, according to exit polls. That's historically high. It allowed Democrats to win control of the House and Republicans to expand their majority in the Senate by winning in red states. Backlash to Trump materialized in the suburbs, thanks to independents who voted for Democrats for the first time since 2008 and college-educated women who created a historic gender gap. The biggest story of the night was that Nancy Pelosi is poised to get her speaker's gavel back after eight years as House Minority Leader. From Denver to Dallas to Detroit, the Democratic path to the majority ran straight through the suburbs. Republican incumbents also went down in the suburbs of Chicago, Minneapolis and St. Paul, Houston, Oklahoma City, Richmond, and Washington, D.C. Preliminary exit polls show that women voted for House Democrats by a 21-point margin, 60% to 39%. Men split evenly. On the Senate side, Trump's final tour helped in the states he visited. North Dakota Congressman Kevin Kramer Indiana businessman Mike Braun and Missouri Attorney General Josh Hawley, all staunch Trump allies, knocked off sitting Democratic senators. And it turned out Trump's endorsement is more powerful than Taylor Swift's in Tennessee, where Republican Marsha Blackburn beat former Governor Phil Bredesen. The results suggest that Trump could be more formidable when he runs for re-election in 2020 than critics want to acknowledge. For example, Republicans held the governorships in Florida and Ohio, those two perennial presidential battlegrounds. It's also looking right now like they picked up a Senate seat in the Sunshine State, though the count remains close and Democratic Senator Bill Nelson has not conceded. But not everything Trump touches turns to gold. Nevada Senator Dean Heller lost re-election after embracing Trump, thanks to high Latino turnout. Overall, red states got redder, blue states got bluer. The realignment is real, and it's much harder to defy political gravity than it used to be. America was already deeply polarized when Trump took office. The president has supercharged it. Network exit polls found 8 in 10 Americans believe the country is more divided than ever. We're arguably less divided than we were during the depths of Vietnam, and we're certainly less divided than during the Civil War. But the fact it feels that way to most of the people who voted yesterday speaks volumes. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one. Democrats flipped at least seven governorships on Tuesday, putting a serious dent in what had been a record level of Republican control at the state level. Democrats flipped the governorships in Wisconsin, Kansas, Maine, Michigan, Illinois, Nevada, and New Mexico. The race remains too close to call in Georgia, where Democrat Stacey Abrams is trailing but refuses to concede. She believes that she might be able to hold her Republican opponent, Brian Kemp, to just below 50% and force a runoff next month. Wisconsin is one of the biggest stories of the day. Democrat Tony Evers denied Scott Walker a third term. 
Walker's loss brings an end to an eight-year reign of Republican dominance in the Badger State. Meanwhile, in Colorado, Democrat Jared Polis won the governor's race, becoming the nation's first openly gay governor. Number two, all that speculation that 2018 would be another year of the woman came to pass. For the first time, there will be more than 100 women in the House. Women have never held more than 84 of the 435 seats. Overwhelmingly, they were Democrats who helped their party take control. Deb Haaland, a Democrat in New Mexico, will be the first Native American woman to serve in Congress. In Florida, Democrat Debbie Mucarsel Powell, an immigrant from Ecuador, focused her campaign largely on health care and toppled Republican Carlos Curbelo, who had voted to repeal Obamacare in a district that contains thousands of people who depend on it. Michigan's Rashida Talib, born in Detroit to Palestinian parents, and Minnesota's Ilhan Omar, who arrived in the U.S. from Somalia at age 14, will become the first Muslim women elected to Congress. Number three, at least five states are poised to expand Medicaid through ballot measures and Democratic victories in governor's races. The most immediate coverage gains look likely to occur in Nebraska, Idaho, and Utah, where ballot measures to expand Medicaid passed. But Medicaid expansion may also be on the way in Kansas, where Laura Kelly defeated Chris Kobach in the race for governor. The state's GOP-controlled state legislature had passed a bill to expand Medicaid, but the previous governor vetoed it. Overall, America saw record turnout for a midterm election yesterday, and voters across the political spectrum were activated. I want to end this morning on an uplifting note about the beauty of American democracy. Let me tell you about an 83-year-old man named John Pinter from Wisconsin. He's had to give up a few things with his old age. For example, he's no longer able to do competitive polka dancing. Yes, that's a thing in Wisconsin. But he's not about to give up his right to vote. On Monday night, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, John hit a deer. He totaled his car. On Tuesday, he didn't have wheels, but he did have a cane. And he used that cane to walk a mile in the freezing cold. It was about 30 degrees to go from his apartment building to the local community center so that he could cast his ballot. And then there's Maria Valles de Bonilla, a 106-year-old woman who moved to Virginia from El Salvador 16 years ago. Yesterday, she became a U.S. citizen. She wanted to be able to vote in her adopted country, which she loved so much. She was never able to do so back in El Salvador, first because it wasn't legal for women to vote, and later because the polling locations were too far away and the journey was unsafe. Bonilla who lives with her daughter, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, was not registered to vote in time, so she couldn't cast a ballot on Tuesday. But she says that she hopes to vote in the 2020 election. Maria said that when you become an American citizen at the age of 106, you can afford to be an optimist. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, November 7th. Thanks for listening, and thanks to everyone who exercised their right to vote. I'm James Homan. I'll talk to you tomorrow.